Hello, everyone. Welcome to Divergent Politics. I'm your host, Lara Hodge. I'm neurodivergent, and politics has always been my special interest. My husband, Tristan Hodge, is neurotypical, and he's here to translate for me. Hello. We've got a great episode for you tonight. First up, we're going to try out a new segment, Degenerate of the Day. Then we'll get a quick lesson in labor history, then current labor headlines. Tonight, we'll learn about the history of the push to classify university student-athletes as university employees. And then we get to watch two sports bros have their class action or class consciousness awakening in real time in response to the NLRB siding with uh, the Dartmouth men's basketball players saying they are, in fact, employees of the university. And then, unfortunately, with good news, there always comes bad news. Uh, next, we're going to spot the pop propaganda. Tonight's segment is about the southern border. No, you're not having deja vu. We're covering the same topic from a different angle. Following that, we'll have our mutual aid signal boost. Then we'll jump into political headlines. First, World War III updates, then a very violent Valentine's. We'll finish off headlines with an apolitical palate cleanser. Tonight, hot new trend alert, introducing meat-based plants. Lastly, we'll wrap up any loose ends from the episode and end on a positive note. Let's get started. All right, so... First time we're doing this, a uh, degenerate of the day. So, uh, I don't know if you guys heard, but the U.S. Constitution, Constitution was vandalized. Um, so, the vandals are not our degenerates. I'm pretty indifferent to what they did. They're kind of silly, but the, the degenerate is in the video. So, we get to it. All right. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. Determined to foment the rebellion. We will not be held accountable to laws in which we have no voice or representation. Endowed with the inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We're calling for all people to have all these rights, not just wealthy white men. We all deserve clean air, water, food, and a livable climate. It, just, it seems like if you were going to do something this drastic, you would add a little more forethought into your, your speech, what you were going to say. Like, I mean, I get it. They're talking about like climate justice, yeah, housing yeah. justice. Joe Biden, that's what we're doing. Subsidized from fossil fuels to start moving towards real climate solutions. Killing me. Is that what they're spreading? Let's go. No, it's powder. It's like red powder. But the dude's like talking, trying to be all serious. You can see. Yeah. Many more people are losing There's people all over the world suffering. We need to change how we do vandalizing the constitution the uh and value the lives and well-being of the people for the for the president would be combined it. Let's get to emergency. Please declare a time emergency. This is terrifying. Look at the guy down there. Slide <laughs> down on the ground. Right. Oh, I have to leave. All right, so listen to, to the leave, uh, security guard. I have to leave. 
You can do it from behind the gate. What the fuck? I just want to see y'all beat him. I just want to see y'all beat him. They got to shut the gate, no, it does not. Right, yeah, they're gonna close the gates. You're okay with me staying at the gate? No, you can stay right there. Okay, I can't right. do anything with you. Over there. You can stay right there. I can't do anything with you right there. That's what she says. Okay. Excuse me, sir. Can you go this way for me, sir? Oh, she clear said we could Clear out for me, sir. Clear out, clear out, clear out, clear out. She said, I can't touch you here. You're fine here. There's a whole spectacle going on. They're behind a locked gate. Fuck you. Yeah. So there's our degenerate of the week, that dickhead security guard. Like, fuck him. <laughs> All right. But yeah, I guess it still looks like a sad John Stewart right there, man. <laughs> but I, I don't know. Like I get the, the passion behind it, I get the the motivation, but just like, man, poor execution. And just you didn't bring your own camera person. Like I looked for different videos on this. Like there was, I couldn't find anything of them actually deploying the die. Like all the videos start after that uh, happened. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. There's our degenerate of the day. And we actually have a bonus degenerate uh, just because. So John Stewart and The Daily Show are bonus degenerate today for their strict copyright enforcement. Uh, John is back hosting every Monday, but I can't share any of that content with you because they will shut down my stream. <laughs> um, can't even, not not a clip, not a soundbite, not nothing. They will Bang. shut you down. They are really strict about that which and i was listening to do dissidents and they point out like i'm sorry if you want to be relevant in 2024 you have to allow your media to be shared you have to let people like us you know share clips and share it to get the views right to get you know otherwise you're nobody fucking watches comedy central like it's just anyway um so i do recommend watching the latest episode uh the monday night i don't know i don't watch the rest of the week i don't watch the daily show in a couple of years um just seemed to kind of fall flat but i've always loved john stewart um and he's been doing really good things since he left um so the latest episodes are on paramount plus which i don't understand but they are um okay. so i'm sure my uh communist and anarchist comrades would say that his words didn't go far enough but you guys aren't the target audience of the daily show so sorry you're right but get over yourselves um if you're center-right, center-left, liberal Democrat, or Democratic Socialist, his message is for you. Um, and I, you know, I'm not going to go into the whole spiel because it was just a great episode. Um, but I never thought I would see that kind of blatant pushback on the system from The Daily Show. Right? Usually it's usually they make the points, right? Like, I always thought they, they got to the point. So it's usually couch satire, jokes, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And this, this was very just black and white. 
sorry, we I had it wrong. This is, you know, this is real. So, all right, so there's our degenerates of the day. <laughs> all right. Now, let's do our next segment. Uh, labor history. Sorry, I'm still getting used to the new uh, tech I'm using, but I do think it's helping. Oh man, and I forgot the captions. Sorry, Dad. Captions. Sorry, Dad. There you go. All right. So, labor history and headlines for February 17th. So, normally we do this week in labor history. But we're not doing that tonight. Uh, tonight, the the topic we're doing for the current labor headlines has a, a pretty interesting history to it. So I wanted to talk about that. Uh, so this uh, article is called The Job is Football, The Myth of the Student Athlete. Mm. Um, so I it was pretty long. This is still pretty dense, even just what I pulled from it. But I'm just going to read through some bullet points um, from the article. So the origins of the term student athlete can be traced back to a Colorado Supreme Court case, University of Denver v. Namath. In 1950, Ernest Namath, a football player at the University of Denver, suffered an injury during spring practice. He filed a claim against the university, alleging that he was hired by the school to play football and that his injury was a result of his employment. Three years later, the Colorado Supreme Court upheld a ruling by the State Industrial Commission that Namath was indeed an employee as defined by Colorado's workers' compensation statute. Nice. The court determined that Namath's compensation for playing football, an athletic scholarship, housing, meals, and a campus job was contingent upon his ability to perform on the field, and therefore the university was obligated to provide workers' compensation for his football-related injury. Makes sense. Can you imagine the difference that the, the NCAA and the other, the, the way college sports would be different now if this ruling had stuck since the 50s? Like, it would be a completely different yeah. uh, situation now. So after the Namath case, the NCAA recognized that its member schools were vulnerable in co workers' compensation claims. Because weird, people get hurt playing sports. It's vulnerable is a weird word for it. Yeah, right. <laughs> How about oh, culpable? Yeah. <laughs> Take care of these people that are making you money. Right. Yeah. In response, the NCA manufactured the student-athlete label. Uh, Walter Byers, the executive director of the NCAA, later wrote, We crafted the term student-athlete, and soon it was embedded in all NCAA rules and interpretations as a mandated substitute for such words as players and athletes. Soon the press began using the term, inscribing it into the national consciousness. By 1956, when schools first started offering recruits scholarships solely for their athletic ability, the New York Times described football and basketball players as student-athletes. In constructing the student-athlete, the NCAA successfully convinced fans, sports writers, and players to embrace the mythology of amateurism. Can't be professionals. We get paid your professional. Mm-hmm. So in 1963, the NCAA became increasingly concerned that the courts would view college athletes as employees. 60 years ago. <laughs> uh, three years earlier, Edward Gary Van Horn, a scholarship football player at Cal State Polytech College, 
was one of 16 players killed in a team plane crash. When his widow filed for death benefits under the state's compensation law, she claimed that he was an employee who died on the job. But the California Industrial Accident Commission denied her claim on the basis that her husband was not an employee at the school of the school. However, the California District Court of Appeals annulled that decision. So it seems pretty clear every time it's in front of a judge, the ruling is, yeah, of course. And then they whole a whole new push to change it. And then every time it ends up back in front of a judge, like, yeah, of course. And then a whole new push to pull away from that. So just keep it from getting in front of a judge. Huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so in addition to his athletic scholarship, Van Horn received a quarterly check for living expenses and rent money. Therefore, the court ruled that the college had entered into a contract with Van Horn, compensating him with a scholarship in exchange for his football services. The court thus established that a college football player could be a student and an employee. Which is like no different when I went to college. I worked in the library. I was an employee right. at the library. Right. Like, they told me when to be there, told me when my shift was. If I didn't show up, I was in trouble. Like that's yeah, more so. Your for... compensation was based on your ability to do librarian anything. Yeah, exactly. And if you injured yourself to the point you couldn't librarian anymore. Right. They would have had to compensate me. <laughs> Assuming that happened on the job, right? Sure. All right. So the following December, the NCAA responded by altering the language of athletic scholarships crafting an agreement that compelled athletes to accept the NCAA's definition of amateurism. So this is another, how are we going to get around the court? Uh, the scholarships now read, this award is made in accordance with the provisions of the constitution of the NCAA pertaining to the principles of amateurism. Your acceptance of the award means that you agree with these principles and are bound by them. Can't take it in front of a judge. <laughs> That's what that means. It's like, like this is the way it is. Oh, you're gotcha. you're bound by it. There's no don't cry to a judge. <laughs> That's the whole point of that. Uh, so although the NCA insisted that a scholarship was not contingent upon athletic performance, bullshit. Right. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's what they're keeping for. Um, in its nineteen in nineteen seventy three, its member schools adopted legislation that reduced grants and aid from four years to one. This meant that an athlete's financial aid was increasingly dependent upon his athletic performance. So they used to give you a four-year scholarship. And if you, you know, ended up not being able to finish whatever you still had your, well, right. well th then they started doing it by the year. So if you, your sophomore year, you get an injury and you're out, they don't have to pay for your junior and senior year. Like, no, Um, If uh, the player did not fulfill expectations, a coach could terminate his scholarship practice that made college athletes more like professionals playing on a contract. Yeah, especially if the coach could terminate it. Yeah, not just like the school. Yeah. yeah, Not for academic reasons. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of some background on what's going on now. So uh, the Labor Board, that's a headline from the Associated Press, Labor Board gives Dartmouth's trustee more time to appeal as athletes prepare for a union vote. So uh the uh, National or yeah, Labor Relations Board uh, sided with, uh, did that just change on me? Um, sided with Dartmouth's uh, men's basketball players uh, team saying they are in fact employees. So now the, uh, the school's appealing, right? And so that's what this article is talking about, the appeal. 
time frame on it. So, uh, the official's ruling last week cleared the way for an election that could create the first labor union for NCAA athletes. The board granted Dartmouth's request to move the appeal deadline from February 20th to March 5th, the same day the union election is scheduled, which is fucked. Like, they're, uh, that's the date they want, they're having the union vote for the players. Um, so they decided to, they want to push the appeal back to then. I don't know. There's some legal strategy there that I don't understand, but still seems suspicious to me to have on the same day. Um, all 15 members of the team signed the initial petition to be represented by the Service Employees International Union, which already represents some uh, Dartmouth workers. The NCA has long maintained players are student athletes, a term they created, but the board ruled on February 5th that players were effectively employees of the school. So that something right there is was like, huh, what do you mean they created it? And that's, that's why I started Googling and found that whole history. Um, so this is fun to me. I, I, yeah. So a couple of things. I'm aware we should be doing a lot of sports headlines for a politics show. What can I say? I'm as surprised as you are. <laughs> Not really my jam. Um, so this video I found, I'm so glad I clicked it. Uh, I was expecting the exact opposite take of, of what I got. I clicked it just expecting some horrible dude bros. Um, yeah. And then I was very pleasantly surprised. So it's a little long. We may not watch the whole thing, but I, I hope you enjoy this as much as I truly did. So off the episode here, we've got a very interesting piece. And this one, again, maybe not pertaining so much to Division Two or Division Three at the moment, but this was the first tweet that I saw about this new interesting issue if you will and it pertains to dartmouth and their men's basketball right team i was like he sounded so dismissive of it and like the the thumbnail was like athletes are employees like it just seemed so just like what the fuck do these guys think they're doing right like that's the take i thought i was gonna get from this but he is going into this very cult like, it's very clear that he sat down and this is all happening in real time. He's coming across it. This was not prepared for them. Okay. Because um, you watch. Well, just watch. Now, breaking the NLRB, and I need to pull up the actual article to tell you what exactly the hell that is. The National Labor Relations Board, obviously, Trev, uh, yeah, they obviously. ruled obviously. <laughs> that the men's basketball players are employees of Dartmouth and are allowed to go forward with an, ele an election, excuse me, to create a union. That's the, that's the initial ruling. And so for the people that are listening, <clears throat> I've got a piece of some kind of legislation here in front of me. This is the tweet. If you're not seeing it, if you're listening and it reads some as kind of legislation, like these those are obviously not a politics show, right. not a legal show. Like, and <laughs> uh, it's just so funny, but they're very well knowledge very knowledgeable and very well informed on what they are talking about. Like the, the knowledge I got schooled watching this video. So that was, it's just funny to watch this all happen in real time. Dartmouth takes the position to be to. Oh man, it's a tough start. Trev <laughs> Dartmouth takes the position. The petition for basketball players are not employees within the meaning of the act and submits. That the petition should be dismissed. In addition, Dartmouth takes the position that the board should decline to assert jurisdiction over the basketball players. So as not to create instability in labor relations, but that's Dartmouth saying, this is bullshit. You can't agree to this. Yeah, yeah, Please yeah. don't let this happen or we are in trouble. 
Then it says, we as can, set forth I below, gonna... I, I don't know who I is, but it's obviously not me. I find that because Dartmouth has the right to control the work performed by the men's varsity basketball team and because the players perform that work in exchange for compensation, the petition for basketball players are employees within the meaning of the act. Additionally, I find that asserting jurisdiction would not create instability in labor relations. Accordingly, I shall direct an election in the petition for a unit. That's a lot of legal jambalaya that we just went through. Basically, it means they're siding with the players and that they should be considered employees of the university. Just initial thoughts. I mean, it's not a crazy thing to say. It's not when you actually get into the nitty gritty of like what it entails to be an employee, quote unquote. It's not ridiculous at all. To be honest, like not to get on the NIL like tangent, but it makes more sense than players receiving nil money as well you think so really because think about it so you're already getting compensated for playing a college sport in most cases because you're getting a scholarship especially division one it's not like people think it's just paying some people think it's just paying for books and tuition whatever these people are getting they're getting money outside of that this is before nil before anything you get extra stipends and and those kind of things exactly you don't you are not really paying a dime for your this time was all news to me. Like, and yeah. unless you're, they know what they're talking yeah. about. Or sometimes housing can be a kind of an interesting yeah, deal, but you know. If you can, fi- yeah. Most people are p- pretty close to you're not paying it. Most, for sure. I mean, I think there's an argument there. You're working for the university, and you have to follow. <laughs> we don't their... even need to get it in front of a judge. That would be obvious. We just need to get in front of two sports bros. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's pretty fucking clear. <laughs> They're employees. They're compensated for the job that you make them do for like that makes you money. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Right? Rules, right? Mm-hmm. And you're doing something for them and you're getting compensated for it. Yep. Because a scholarship is still compensation. It is. And it's money. Like it's not like compensation in the form of X, Y, or Z. Like, like this is cash that you're giving them. It's not, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like what that cash is going towards, whether it be that. tuition, books, housing, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's still money. It's still cash being exchanged, you know, through hands. And it, it's just very interesting. So this, this National Labor Relations Board regional director on Monday ordered a union election for the men's basketball players. So now they can again. We should say with a grain of salt, like Dartmouth is expected to appeal this ruling and probably with a lot more force and with the best lawyer or whatever they can find. Right. And I'm this sure might... they can find some real <laughs> damn good lawyers. <laughs> but probably a couple know, good this ones. could all be just gone tomorrow. It could be an afterthought and nobody speaks about it ever again. Exactly. I... And that thought is why I know they're not politics shows because they're like, this is the first they've really heard of it. Yeah. Um, and I wonder what this would do for their. Uh... Um, tax responsibilities. Right? That would be huge, too. Um, but, like, the worker compensation is, like, I feel like, like, it's not even, it's, like, overtime, hourly, whatever. Like, it comes down to the compensation for injuries. Like, mm-hmm. that's, like, to where they're vulnerable. Right? Like, that's what would cost them. And right now, like, and their healthcare is, like, you know, most student athletes, like, their healthcare is, you know, covered, but not, like, workers' compensation, where if you have an injury that you're now disabled, mm-hmm. Right, like they don't cover that. They don't pay for that. They don't. Yeah, it could be like game changing in the NCAA realm. It'll be one or the other. It's going to vanish, or it's going to be something you study in a class in like fifteen, twenty years. Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) all those like big time cases. Yeah, like that's it's it's wild. So he's so happy. um, Reading through here and talking about how this could really reshape 
the industry. It's just, it's very interesting. This, this I wonder, right like, here, Michael Sue, I'm, I'm just hopefully pronouncing that correctly. He says he's the co-founder of the College Basketball Players Association, the CBPA. Oh, wow. And he said it's a positive step. It is one further step. He filed a separate unfair labor practice complaint with the NLRB against the Ivy League. Huh. So that's how this all comes about is they're saying they're, <coughs> there's unfair workplace practices being incorporated because this hasn't been treated as a workplace for so long and maybe it should be. Mm-hmm. This is interesting. How? What kind of regulations would that potentially be? Part of me sports? is also, yeah, like what regulate, what <clears throat> do they, what are they, what is Dartmouth basketball trying to gain out of this? Like yeah. what? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. how on one, are you really being treated unfairly? Because there are plenty of regulations and rules within the NCAA yep. already. Now, the thing is, though, because they're an Ivy League institution, the Ivy League scholarships are different than your this typical like FBS, FCS models. Like FBS, I, I use football because I just know those examples. An FBS football team is like 83 to 85, like yeah, full yeah. ride scholarships. FCS has 65. And, you know, you go down the list. Ivy League operates differently, and I think it's a little bit – I don't know the exact kind of – How it works. Yeah, yeah and I don't think they really do athletic scholarships like the other NCAA this is schools. This is true. So that could a- be the basis of where this is coming from is that we are performing on the same – technically the same level. We're an FCS institution performing on the same level with the other FCS schools that are giving out full-ride athletic scholarships to their student-athletes. And if you think they, well, basketball, they, just, they brought up questions that I – like, I had questions. Like, what yeah, is this there's no FCS. Right? It's totally just different. Division like, one. They, like, there's That's always a March like, Madness. Question. In March Madness, there's always an Ivy League team. So Man. once in a while, there's two. Hasn't been that in a while. So now but. that this starting to make potentially a little bit more sense as to why they might want to yeah. do that because they do maybe think they're being treated unfairly. Which then you have you don't Dartmouth. have to watch the rest seven minutes of this. But <laughs> no, <laughs> that, I mean that's interesting questions though. Like I said, I wonder what that does for their tax responsibilities because mm-hmm. that could be a downside. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, they're employees. They're getting hurt on the job. Right, and it's ruining their lives. Yep. So, um, and then it's off the episode that, here. Sorry, like I said, where there's good news, there's bad news. So, Amazon has joined with SpaceX and somebody else probably tested that too. Uh, to argue that the labor board is unconstitutional. So, heaven forbid we have you know this fucking or you know part of the government actually standing up for the the workers and now the businesses are going to co- try and come squash it and how do you know you're a bad guy when you do that right it is a nearly 90 year old independent- so this was just as of today i got this update this morning so and in federal agency whose mission is to protect workers rights but lately the u.s national labor relations board is also working to protect itself this week amazon currently embroiled in a case with the NLRB, became the latest company to claim the agency's in-house enforcement proceedings violate the U.S. Constitution. Elon Musk's rocket maker SpaceX and grocery chain Trader Trader Joe's have made similar allegations. (laughs) In a filing, Amazon said specifically that it plans to argue that the NLRB's unique structure violates the online retail giant's right to a jury trial. 
Amazon has been accused of illegally retaliating against workers at a warehouse in the New York City borough of Staten Island, where employees voted to unionize in 2022. Amazon, which has faced more than 250 NLRB complaints alleging unlawful labor practices across the country in recent years, has denied wrongdoing. SpaceX made similar claims in a lawsuit filed last month, one day after the labor board accused the company of firing eight engineers for criticizing Musk in a letter to company executives. Trader Joe's raised the arguments later in January at a hearing in an NLRB case, and two Starbucks baristas seeking to dissolve their unions have challenged the board's structure in separate lawsuits. An NLRB spokeswoman declined to comment. At least one union lawyer, who works with both Amazon and Trader Joe's employees, is worried, telling Reuters that the growing number of challenges to the NLRB make it more likely the issue will reach the U.S. Supreme Court, whose conservative majority has signaled its skepticism of other U.S. agencies' in-house proceedings. Isn't that a nice little fun... Uh, just... Did I? You constantly hear the, you know, gotta vote blue no matter who, vote whatever. Like, the only reason that argument was even valid, if it was, you know, in 2016 and uh, 2012, 2016, in there, uh, it's because the Supreme Court. That's the only reason I voted for Hillary. I think she was useless, but I did not want Trump to be the one putting up nominees for the Supreme Court, especially after what happened when Obama tried to put the one up and they fucking stole it from him. It's like the Supreme Court was the entire reason to, uh, you know, stick with the Democratic Party. And they, you know, Donald Trump managed to put three fucking justices up there. And Mitch McConnell has been orchestrating for decades. This is like Mitch McConnell's wet dream. Is this current Supreme Court? Um, it's yeah. Here we are. So um, it's excellent news. The 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 labor relations board agrees that university student athletes should be employees. Um, they actually also uh, I think it was twenty fourteen. They uh, had the same uh, ruling, but with Northwestern University. But Northwestern University is a public school. And so they felt they said they didn't have the jurisdiction of a, a public uh, organization, but Dartmouth's a private entity, and so they definitely should be held to the employer standards. Right. So, um, well, I mean, I, I don't know if it's true or not. It sounds true. Um, a lot of times, you know, head coach for one of these sports is the highest paid person at the school in the state. Yeah, or in the state. Yeah, yeah. You look at a, look state. at a, the highest paid person in the state is going to yeah. be the state football coach yeah that's that's a business yeah yeah and they're making billions yeah the ncaa is a billion dollar fucking industry and they're they're making billions off the backs of these kids and and you know in in one breath like they were smart enough to like you know give them enough money to keep them happy that right this hasn't been big enough of an issue right but then they just couldn't take care of them after they got injured right Right, is what it really boils yep. down to. They couldn't just let them finish school. Right. Right. Nope, because there's what's where's the money incentive in it for and, that? Well, 
Here you go. Yeah, exactly. No, that's that whole like the capitalist fucking overlords forget that if they if they keep make us all too hungry, we're gonna bite yeah. that hand, right? I mean, they're like, already spending the money, right? They right. are keeping these people mostly happy, right? While they're not injured, right? You know, like they're 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 Spend living better more than, to... than students, right? Yeah. The other students, I should say, right? You know, there there's classes particularly groomed so that they can get easy A's and get yeah, through. Yeah, exactly. Like they are spending money to keep them happy. They just couldn't do that thing. Right. They just couldn't take care of them. Yeah. Oh, silly. Well, here you go. Okay. So now my shark tank are done there. Okay. Now we're gonna have our uh shameless plug. Uh Tristan's gonna share that with us here. You got that there? Yep. All right, cool. So if you like what you're hearing and you want to support us, we've got several ways you can do that. Um, first off, we've got merch. Head uh, over to the merch store. Yep. Uh, we set up the DP merch store prices so that for every item you buy, we get exactly $10. All paid memberships include a free iHeart DP sticker. Just tell us where to ship it and what color you'd like. Um, you'll also get an exclusive invitation to our monthly bonus episode. Check out Patreon or Substack for the different membership options. Substack also hosts the podcast version of the show and our show notes. So especially if you're looking for the show notes for our mutual aid segment, uh, Substack is where to find those. So you can, um, uh, if you can't uh, contribute financially, I feel you, you still play a vital role here. Engaging with us by liking, subscribing, and sharing our content is the most helpful thing anyone can do. And signing up for our mailing list at Substack is always free and the best way to keep in touch with us. You can also email us at divergentpolitics at gmail.com. And links to all of these and more can be found at our website at divergentpolitics.com. Will you just go up and show where the, the show notes link is? Um, go back to the home page. And then on that first little tab guy, the episodes. Yep. And then you can see... The date and the video link, podcast link, and the show notes link. That's how you find those. All right, that's it for that. Moving on. Now it is time for our spot the propaganda segment. Get this here. All right, so we are talking about the border again. Uh, but like I said, from a different angle. Um, and so tonight, we're not going to be the ones doing the heavy lifting on this topic. We're actually going to listen to somebody else doing what we've been kind of trying to do. Um, Jay from the Best of the Left will be doing that heavy lifting for us. Uh, this is probably the most well thought out coverage I've heard on the crap that's going on on the border. And I don't know how long. So I do need to make a disclaimer. Uh, the last time we featured one of Jay's monologues, it was on the topic of shifting baseline syndrome. And he mentioned how amazing it was that if you happen to be out in the ocean and came across a single sea turtle, that was just fantastic. But also that in Columbus's journal, he mentioned being kept awake at night by all the turtles bumping into the hull. So we all took that as like, holy shit, there's so much more or less turtles in the ocean than there is now. Uh, but we recently learned from watching a nature documentary that turtles really are solitary creatures, except when they're mating, uh, when it's basically a multi-day turtle orgy. 
So it seems less likely that the baseline of turtles has shifted quite that extremely and more likely that Columbus parked his boat in the middle of a turtle fuck fest. Mm-hmm. So just want to put that up there. Nobody still in, occur. They, right, still, right, they occur. still occur. Exactly. Yeah. But just say nobody's infallible. <laughs> All right. So this is the best. I think it's podcast. probably both of those. It's probably things. both of those things. Yeah. I think it's definitely shifted, but not as dramatically as the way the comparison right. made yeah. it seem. Um, so this is from their episode 1610. Um, it's about 15 minutes. We're probably on the whole thing. We'll probably pause and, um, go, but we're practicing up there. Share the system. Let's try. There we go. Everybody see that okay? Mm-hmm. Here. Yeah. All right, cool. Ah, what are we doing? There we go. We've just heard clips today, starting with the readout looking at the politics that derailed the proposed immigration bill. The majority report Secretary of Homeland Secured, but members also heard about and Governor My timestamp is off when I reloaded with a different ad. Inside the borders of a country slash support or shoot me an email requesting a financial hardship membership because we don't let a lack of funds stand in the way of hearing more information. Now to wrap up, I want to tie together a couple of stories that really highlight the structural dysfunction of our democracy right now. First, I'll start with the unsurprising story. I'll take it as granted that you already heard about the migrant busing story where asylum seekers were put on buses and planes from Texas to be driven to cities run by Democrats as a craven political move that used real life human beings as political pawns to score points. It was inhumane, gross, and probably illegal human trafficking because lies were told to some people to get them on those buses. But the seed of truth underneath that policy was that people coming across the border who are processed through our underfunded and understaffed system, who then need somewhere to go to wait for their court dates, need to be moved away from border towns because it's completely unreasonable to expect the border region to absorb all of those people alone. So way down underneath all the political games and treating humans like playthings, that was the primary argument. The logistical burden of processing asylum seekers should be spread across the country. And I completely agree. And so do immigration advocates working at NGOs dedicated to helping migrants once they've entered the country. The woman who runs the Valverde Border Humanitarian Coalition was working with the state of Texas on the logistics of coordinating services for the migrants at their destination cities. The state would organize the bus rides, give that information to Tiffany Burrow of the Valverde Border Humanitarian Coalition, who would in turn coordinate with NGOs in the destination cities so that there could be people waiting to receive the buses and give guidance to the migrants. Yeah. Are you telling me that no one comes to the fucking border except for every four years. <laughs> like, no, this is a constant problem. People are constantly dying and constantly being fucked around with. 
Yeah, and they're they're used as political bonds. It's fucking gross. Yeah. Migrants when they arrived. The people working at these NGOs believe in the need for the busing program. They're not just there to mitigate harm. They see it as necessary to relieve pressure from border communities. However, the story I'm actually highlighting is that after Texas and these NGOs had been working in partnership for a time, Texas suddenly decided to stop providing the bus route information that allowed the advocates to organize logistical support. No. That's the actual problem. Like, it's not that we all of a sudden started busing migrants. <laughs> they all of a sudden stopped getting the, report, the reports. Oh my god! I mean, like, it's not funny, but I can't. Like, what do you do besides laugh at the absurd? Like, just, and then they the make adults the, in charge. Yeah, and then Jesus they make this whole Christ. big fucking. Spectacle about, yeah. <laughs> the program works. Like I'm sure it could be improved on. I'm sure it could be better. Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure but... it's you know underfunded and overtaxed like everything else. But oh my god! You know what? No, we don't. We're not going to tell you when they're coming. They're just coming <laughs> at whatever speeds and numbers and whatever we decide. I mean, oh. Yeah, say it. Okay. Details or reasons were given other than that they just sort of felt like they didn't need to. Of course, the result was to maximize chaos at the destination cities, which was very likely the point. The whole policy, though necessary, has always been conducted in a way to maximize the spectacle of it not to be an example of good governance or policy or even to help people. Democratic officials... Is that like the best summary of our current federal government? (laughs) Just children fucking swinging. There are a bunch of toddlers throwing tantrums like with bombs. (laughs) Right? That's fucking awful have criticized the busing policy, but less about the existence of the policy and more for Texas Governor Abbott's refusal to coordinate with other governors and mayors in the process. And we know why. There is a political motivation that rewards more political clout to those who make the other party look bad than to those who govern well. There you go. There you go. Yeah. We don't have to do good. We just have to make them look worse. Yeah, like semen, here it is in a nutshell. Here we go. But we don't have to do anything good or positive or anything that benefits anybody. We just have to point out the other guy's flaws. And that's politics. Make spectacle. Yep. Abbott is definitely seen more favorably in the eyes of Texas Republicans because of his cartoonishly cruel busing policy intended to make Democrats look it's bad like, uh, than he would if... Dude, if the people exactly in costumes, like hunger, swinging their big hairdos at each other, yeah, yeah, they're they're like unless towns are like numbered, right? Like one through the cities, so like one through ten. Is that, did you read or watch it or whatever? Just briefly, I, I watched it. I, um, it. I, I was yeah, actually like, thinking about this the other day. Was, yeah, yeah, the districts. Like that. That's right. I was trying to figure out like where do you think we are? Like, because like the migrants are obviously like you know thirteen, the far end of the you know the full on political bonds. We ain't District 1. 
Like, we're not the big flashy. Oh, is it a hierarchy, the, the district? Yeah. Yeah, like, the farther out you are, the like, the district one is the big city, and then that's okay, the gotcha. uh, It may not be a far... I think it's similar to the academy, if you're wrong. But anyway, the, the, the main city is the, you know, like, nobody there fucking participates, right? Like, sure. <laughs> like, that's the, the Kardashians and the politicians and the celebrities and right whatever we're, we're somewhere probably like if it is sequential one through 13 we're probably somewhere like four or five like we have a house we've got a car. like we're not slumming but like we fucking struggle every month to pay our bills and you know like but you know I, we're I, not in one i used to think that we're uh, definitely the, still sending the the designated survivor mm-hmm. type catastrophe would be the best thing for us mm-hmm. But I, I think it's more like just all of the adults. <laughs> Period. Everyone, oh. everyone over fifteen. Just wipe them out. Just gone. Wow. You're going for uh, what's that movie? There's a book. The holes. No, the the classic. The kids are on the island. Fucking like whatever. Yeah. Anyway, just no more, no more adults. You've I all mean... failed. You've all fucking failed. My my fourteen year old is a, a better person than a whole slew of adults that I know. Yeah, so. yeah. Let's just leave it to them. Can't say I have too much you with there, but I mean I don't want to go. I'm not ready to walk away. And sacrifice. I mean you're right. If he'd devised a well-organized, well-coordinated policy that accomplished the goals of spreading the logistical burden of incoming migrants, but without all the drama. I will but say one get, thing right. for Abbott's stump. Right. That's, that's that's the problem. Right. You know, that takes work and I could fail. Right. I could look bad. Mm-hmm. But if Can't I do this, if I do this, the just, other guy looks bad. The other guy looks bad every time. Yeah. Though, he also made clear that it was intended to bring attention to the lack of federal support for the logistics of dealing with the influx of migrants. And it did succeed at that. In fact, I was surprised to learn that there wasn't already a system in place to transport migrants around the country because, of course, we need something like that. But the perverse incentives to not enact reasonable, effective policy don't just flow in one direction. As reported by CBS, federal officials considered setting up just such a federally coordinated effort that would transport migrants from the border around the country so they could be processed in their destination cities, easing the strain at the border. The system would work with organizations in those cities to ensure that migrants could be accommodated and worked with the cities directly, unlike Texas's busing effort, of course. Now, reading from the CBS article, quote, but the proposal was blocked by the White House due to concerns about the political optics of the federal government transporting migrants across the U.S. and objections from some of the cities asked to take part in the program, according to three current and former U.S. officials. Bimby, not in my backyard. It's all, it's all well good that we want to take care of the migrants, just not here. Don't bring them here. I saw this article, uh, it just flashed me, whatever. But, like, this old white couple was, like, trying, didn't understand. So they were like, what's the problem? We would open our house up to anybody. And, like, within an hour, they had four people show up at their fucking doorstep. Like, oh, wait, there's an actual issue here. It's not just on TV. Mm-hmm. Like, it's real. It's not, this isn't a TV show, right? But, like, 
The White House official said the plan is no longer under consideration. A former Biden administration immigration official said the interior processing plan would have distributed migrants and resources more proportionally across the U.S. in an orderly way. Interior processing capacity would have provided access to additional resources and taken pressure off many cities. The White House rejected those plans in 2021 and 2022 due to politics and the requirement that the White House would need to own the coordination. Remember that sentence later when we get to the end of our politics one? The reason they didn't do it was because the White House didn't want to own it. Mm-hmm. Keep that little... Former official said, end quote. In short... The fear that it would look bad to attempt to create a well-organized, thoughtful policy to manage the influx of border crossings stopped the effort entirely. And I suspect that they feared it would look bad regardless of whether it went well or poorly. Right. If it went well, the GOP would frame it as Biden actively helping migrants who are probably mostly criminals and terrorists so that they could vote for Democrats. Heaven forbid we, we actively help people. Oh my God. The fucking horror. The government actually did something to help people. Weird. Can't have that. Fuck. Why are we communists? That's... And then if it went badly, then it would just be seen as more evidence that the government doesn't work. So the idea was scrapped. On the bigger picture, we obviously need to get back to a politics where politicians are not disincentivized from attempting to create good policy. That's sort of the core of democratic governance. Without it, we are totally screwed. On the smaller picture, looking at this conversation with somebody a couple days ago like the generation my kids generation they like the thought of buying a house is like a fucking pipe dream like it's never ever ever gonna happen and person was just like oh you know I, the system it's it's a little you know but we can fix it they, people just need to work real hard and like no the system is broken or works perfectly depending on what you're talking about right who you're you ask like but uh, but we're getting what the system produces on purpose right Mm immigration specifically here's my proposal we obviously need a coordinated effort to manage immigration because it is going to happen whether we are organized or not right so we'd better get organized and the very core of that effort needs to be fairness No ad hoc system like Texas is running could ever be fair or just, so the federal government needs to step in. The CBS article mentioned that some cities might complain about being asked to help support the effort. We had 50 different border policies for 50 different states. Like, like Texas is trying to go out on their own and say the federal government isn't isn't doing enough, and so we're going to, on our own, and you got all the Republican governors staying behind Texans, and it's like... Oh my God, could you imagine 50 different immigration border policies if every state tried to do this? Like, And to them, <laughs> I would invoke the promise of fairness. No city should be asked to do more than their fair share. And therefore, every city needs to do what they can to help spread the effort. 
Also, I am sick to death of the right claiming a monopoly on patriotism, and to any who criticize an effort to create a well-organized immigration system, I say, e pluribus unum, from many, one. It was our unofficial motto from the very beginning until the godless communist scared us into adopting In God We Trust as our official motto back in the 50s. But e pluribus unum is still on our money, and it still goes deeper to the heart of what the U.S. is supposed to be about than any other option. And the best thing about it is how nicely it scales. Originally, it just referred to the coming together of the original 13 colonies, but it seamlessly scaled to include every additional state that was added. It could just as easily have been referring to the origin countries of everyone who's ever migrated to this land and will continue to encompass everyone, everyone who comes from abroad yeah. and become an American citizen. That's the, most uh, the, the Buddhist concept of many body, one in mind. Like, we're all of the same consciousness. Like, we all have our no, bodies but, and our but own. Quite literally, also, none of you motherfuckers are from here. Right. Right. Like, yeah. you, <laughs> within, I don't know, four generations, I'd say 90% of people in America are from somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, I don't know that number, but that I mean, know, unless you're native, like that. Unless you're native, yeah. Right? Like that's like all you motherfuckers are from somewhere else. Well, they well, why my grandparents <laughs> came in legally? Yeah, when legally was fucking showing up, writing your name in a book, and moving on. Yeah, like yeah, they checked you for lice, and then you fucking went about your business. Exactly. Like yeah, that that. So they're talking about. Oh, well, I'm okay if they come in legally. No, you're not. Mm -hmm. Fucking uh, asking for asylum. They legal. are coming here legally. You're just not okay with it. Importantly, for our current politics, it should be a reminder of the necessity for all parts of the country to work together when facing issues that affect us all. There's a recent headline in the LA Times, quote, half of Republicans say California isn't really American, end quote, which isn't surprising considering the rhetoric coming from Trump and his MAGA supporters and other Republicans who may or may not be following reluctantly, but are following all the definition. Americans are multifaceted. And so for them to just like pick one group and say, they're not American. Like, come on. <laughs> you don't get to decide what it means to be American. Same. Their whole game plan is to do to Democrats writ large what they have done to every group they've decided to target based on race, ethnicity, religion, sexual orientation, or gender identity throughout the ages. They are attempting to frame anyone who doesn't agree with them as fundamentally un-American. And for those willing to use the more extreme rhetoric, which Trump has recently embraced, not fully human. And fighting back against that with, no, you're the one being un-American, is never going to work. The left needs to define a positive vision of that's, functional government. nationalism, but like, the... It, it's one thing to say, I'm American, you're Mexican, this is my land, this is your land, you fucking, I'm going to stay here, you stay here. But to say, you're not human... So you can't come here. That's a whole other layer of that's where you get the authoritarianism. That's where you get the when you get the dehumanization of people like that is that is the fucking problem that we deal with today. If everybody viewed people as humans, as all people as people, war would be obscene to it, you know, to the politicians as it is to us. Mm -hmm. Like 
you if you're sending people to die in a war, you can't possibly view all people as fully human. Right. You you view them as pawns on a board to to die for your wins. Like they're they're characters in a story. Government and inclusive democracy. We've never been a homogenous country full of people who get along well with each other, and we're not about to start now. But we have gotten to an extremely bad divide, even in a history full of pretty bad divides. And I think the path back to sanity might start with a full-throated embrace of one of our oldest shared beliefs. We may not agree on much other than that we have grudgingly agreed to coexist because we recognize we are stronger and better off working together than going it alone. E pluribus unum, out of many, one. And besides, immigrants are good for the economy and tax base, so even if you don't care about treating them like humans, you can think of immigrants as a source of a future tax base to help pay down the national debt or you know, whatever pet economic it. concern you have. That is going to be it for today. As always, keep the comments coming in. I would love to hear your thoughts or questions about this or anything else. You can leave a voicemail or send us a text at 202-999-3991 or simply email me to j at bestofleft.com. If you ever feel like supporting somebody besides us, that's one of the few uh, podcasts I... He puts in a lot of work. He does. They do that twice a week. Um, That's a whole huge episode. Next, we have our mutual aid signal boost. All right, cool. Uh, So uh, it's time for our mutual aid signal boost. We want to help spread the word about the causes you care about. During this segment, we will read all relevant chats, even if they're unpaid. Uh, If you know of any mutual aid groups you want to shout out or any upcoming actions you're planning on participating in, let us know. We'll also post website links and contact information in the show notes for each episode so they're easy to find. And we should be just where on the website where to find those show notes. Um, until we start getting uh, audience participation in the segment, I'll do my best to find a worthwhile cause to feature uh, during the segment. And if you're not watching this live and have something to share, you can email us at divergentpolitics at gmail.com and we'll share that info during our next episode. So tonight, since we don't have anything to share from the audience, um uh east palestine ohio still in need um the joy man beck she was on do dissidents uh podcast a couple about a month ago uh, there, there's there's still need uh like still can't drink the water joe biden just finally went to east palestine like this week it's been a year he finally went it's basically trump beat him there and then he decided he couldn't go second so he just didn't go at all mm. Not cool. Man's man. Yeah. So this is the fundraiser. It's on Give, Send, Go, East Palestine, Ohio, one year, plus still need. Um, it's a $25 uh, anonymous donor. That was us putting our money where our mouth is. Um, it says anonymous because it just wanted my personal email. And the only way to not have my show was to click that so i swear it's me but <laughs> um their their goal is eight thousand dollars they're a little more than halfway 
So anything you could give to this organization would be incredibly helpful. There's a QR code right there that'll take you to the site or the link. And um, if you're just watching this while you're driving or somewhere you can't click a, a, a link, um, just go to our show notes and I'll be there. So that's our uh, mutual aid push for this week. And then now we're on to politics. And this is unfortunately not going to be a fun segment. First, it's kind of a follow up to what we were just talking about. Oh, wait, let's do this first. Uh, so, yeah, topics we're not going to cover in depth tonight, but you should definitely look into. Um, these are things that are either just broke or. Um, and I didn't have time to put something together on, or it was just a little one line like this first thing, Judge Arthur Engeron sentenced Donald Trump with $350 million in fines and banned him from operating any businesses in New York for three years. Oh, shit. That didn't seem like worth putting together a three-minute video <laughs> to, to, to say that sentence. So, um, and then his hush money trial, uh, with the Stormy Daniels. Uh, that incident uh, is scheduled to begin March 25th, and that is the first criminal trial of a former president ever. So that's fun history-setting topic. Um, and then uh, uh, Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny died in Russian prison on Friday. Died. Pretty sure he was murdered. Mm. Um, and I heard this morning on uh, BBC update that uh, now his body's missing. It's just gone. His mother went to go claim it, and she got to run around. Was told to go to a local mortuary. It's not there. Oh, a little Rasputin kind of stuff. Yeah, mm. and uh, he had a court appearance a couple days before that, and he was fine. Mm. And they're saying he collapsed after a walk and couldn't be resuscitated. So that's the official narrative. Seems pretty suspicious. He's forty-seven, like not old enough to just. Um, but also, I'm constantly everywhere on the media right now is just like. He was a hero. He was, you know, so, dude, that dude was a fucking Russian nationalist. Like, best thing you going for him is he wasn't Putin. Like, and that's a low bar. Like, you're, you're hearing all the Western media crying over this guy. Like, he was not, no, saying he wasn't some socialist liberal. No, like, I'm, I'm sure it's exactly the same as U.S. politics. Yep. And it is impossible with the way things are set up that you could get to that level of power and be a nice person. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, we will never have a good guy president no, because that's not we a thing. can't get there. Yeah, well, people, good guys don't want that level of power. Like, that's the thing. I mean, good guys too, don't but, seek that kind of but thing. But even, no. a, yeah, you just, you can't do the things that you need to do to get there. Yeah. All right. And then it also turns out Russia has a space nuke, which is apparently a huge deal. I don't really get why they have regular nukes with with such a bigger deal. Like I get like there's this whole like treaties about not shooting things in space. Like seems like a nuke in space would be a waste of like you can just shoot it. (laughs) It's to take out satellites. So like I feel like a nuke is overkill for taking out satellites that I can do with a twenty two and just like in space, you bump it off target like a little bit. It's not useless. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and there's definitely no Atmosphere, oxygen. Yeah, there's no localized, uh, you know, after effects. It's it's everywhere. Yeah, so I I don't, whatever. 
the mainstream media is making a huge deal about Russian space nukes. I don't know. Whatever. They've never done that in the past. No. No, no, they've never, ever blown something out of proportion. Never. That's not what I mean. Specifically right. Russia. Yeah. Russia nuke in space. You <laughs> fucking, oh my God, Ronald Reagan. Yeah, seriously, break that down. Yeah. That's all of the That's, things. Dude, oh. That, With like, Gorbachev, like, like, I can't, we can't have peace. The journalist camera is dripping wet. Just oh. like Russia, space, and nuke. Yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah, you're right. That's why it's such a big deal. <laughs> All right. Um, and then Greece recently legalized same-sex marriage. Same-sex marriage, and it is the first Christian Orthodox country to do so. So, proud of my Greek heritage today. Um, and then Uber Uber's stock jumped after announcing a seven billion dollar share buyback. So they ran on in the red, fucking budget deficits or you know for years trying to get that market share yeah the amazon plan yeah they're finally turning a profit and so now they're buying back seven billion dollars worth of stock from their investors to bring all of that equity in-house and make their company that much stronger and just announcing that made their stop stop stock jump about 11 percent because the stock market is very real <laughs> it's a it's a graph of uh no, we own that company. like you know we've incentivized him and given him so many breaks yeah like we own that company now yeah. all right so first up the u.s to consider mass release of detained migrants over budget woes <laughs> continuing on from our propaganda piece more drama at the border all right, so this is from BBC. A senior U.S. immigration official has said that authorities plan to release thousands of migrants from detention amid a severe budget crunch. <laughs> We're so worried about the border, but we can't. Uh, the official from ICE told CBS that between 4,000 and 6,000 migrants could be released. A bipartisan border bill, border bill, uh, that would have funded immigration detentions collapse last week. So that was the bill, the World War III bill, that had $20 billion gets away for the border in it. That was $100 billion for World War III and 20 for the border. Uh, now the border doesn't have the 20, and so now they're just going to release them. Um, more than 6.3 million migrants have entered the U.S. illegally since 2021, and ICE is currently holding about 38,000 migrants in long-term detention facilities but we are the land of the free and freedom and freedom 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 uh while the proposal would see some of the migrants deported deported back to their home countries many would be released into the u.s the report added which is like fucking republicans nightmares oh my god ah oh, we're gonna release the migrants ah. like they the dead just yeah, you have just waves. Yeah. And then I got a graph here showing the uh, migrant numbers. Uh, they love to claim that this is the Biden border thing, but if you see, it was going up under Trump and then the pandemic and then going back up. And then this is where Biden took over and it's just continuing. Like, this is not a Biden thing. Not that Biden's helped it or made it any better or done anything. You know, right. Well, it's not responsible. Right. It's not responsible for fucking anything. Yeah. 
All right. Because uh, no, he would have had to do something. Right. Yeah, no, all they've done is tried to uh, keep Trump's border policies in place. Right, so, 100 Storm New York Museum, Intifada chants raised protesting against Israel. Palestine banner put up. We were just there. Stood in that room a couple days ago and could not imagine what it would be like. I have pictures of that. And he just came in, took over. Banner also a ceasefire now, along with that. Not cool. Uh, Pro-Palestinians stir at the museum. The protesters distributed more than a thousand. Protests distributed more than a thousand imitation MoMA pamphlets criticizing trustees Leon Black, Larry Fink, Paula Crown, Mary Josie Kravis, and Ronald S. Lauder. A banner over the lobby of the museum read MoMA trustees fund genocide, apartheid, and settler colonialism. Mm-hmm. According to reports, the museum closed its doors several hours early on Saturday. Notably, massive pro-Palestine wave has hit the U.S. mid-Raging Around 50 cities in the U.S. have ratified resolutions asking for Gaza However, Joe Biden government has backed Israel's defense against no ceasefire in Gaza. Israeli PM has dismissed the possibility of a truce until Hamas threat is wiped out. So, yeah. That's what's going on. So more protests, except for these ones, are in Israel. So Israel protests against Netanyahu, Tel Aviv, Bar uh, Saba. I'm sorry for butchering that. Uh, rocked by agitations. While there, while there is anger on the streets <coughs> of Israel as frustrated demonstrators call on Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to do more to get the hostages out of Gaza. 
In Israel, Tel Aviv and nearby towns were rocked by massive demonstrations where Look people in thousands hit the streets. In Israel, they like watched their demands of fresh deal for hostage release and Netanyahu's ouster from the office. <laughs> A separate demonstration by hundreds of Israelis was staged yeah. against the government at Tel Aviv's Habima Square and outside the Israeli yeah, defense these are what people say, not in our name. The demonstrators right. also sang the national anthem at the Habima Square. And they've been doing these which is I'm here tonight to keep fighting for uh, the release of my brother and the rest of all the 135 uh, hostages. I think it's him. It was, but uh, there was somebody. I'm pretty sure it's him. They were both taken hostage, and then he was released, and he's still waiting on his brother. Mm. Uh, it may not be him. Like, There's somebody like who started like every day. We want them back. My brother has a two-year-old son who lost his mother and is waiting for a hug from his father for 127 days. Most of us here at Hostage Square just want a hostage deal. We want our people to come home. We feel that no price is too high. Meanwhile, in the Israeli town of Kassera, hundreds of demonstrators marched towards Prime Minister Netanyahu's private residence. They shouted slogans calling for Netanyahu's yeah. resignation. Some also carried a banner. <laughs> Man, how bad you to be to get that at a guilty wife is here. I would definitely question my life choices. <laughs> now I would know if an angry mob edit for me. I mean, I don't know. Their flag's not torches. Sure. Right? Yeah. They're not that fucking angry. I mean. In Kafir Sabah, thousands gathered and demonstrated and against angry, what they called Prime Minister Nathan You can be angry and still be peaceful. Just because you're not being violent doesn't mean you're not angry. I would. I think it's kind of a slap in the face to say these people are angry. Like, just because they're not being violent. Like, if they're, you don't take to the streets unless you're pissed. Sure. Like, if you're not angry, you stay home. Governance failure in bringing the hostages. I, I guess. I, I, I don't know a polite way to say this, but what the fuck are they going to do about it? Nothing, but that's what you can do as citizens. Like, you're, all you can do is make yourself Well, heard. a dude like that is not going to respond to people quietly asking him to do something. No, and they're not being quiet. Like, they're taking to the streets. They're storming his house. But burning his house down makes them no better than he is. So... That's that's why anti-violent protests are a thing. Like that's the whole point is to be like, no, violence isn't the fucking answer. Um, um yeah. Ooh. The chorus for Prime Minister Netanyahu's ouster and fresh elections is growing across Israel as the war has been continuing for more than 120 days, with no signs of mediation or a new hostage deal since the temporary truce that took place in November last year. According to the Israeli authorities, more than 100 hostages are still under the Hamas's captivity. While Gaza's health ministry says over 28,000 Palestinians have been killed, including children and women, due to the full-scale war between the Israeli armed forces and Hamas. And Israel is saying that they've killed 20,000 Hamas fighters. 
out of 28,000 total dead. They're saying there's not more than a one-to-one civilian Hamas death. No, I mean, 70% of them being women and children is would be a civilian population if right. you counted all the men as combatants yep. and all of the women and children as yep. women and children. Well, and that's the, that's the only way that's... that math works is they're counting the men, women, and children as combatants. So, like, yeah, woohoo, we, we got 25,000 of them. Cool. Well, some of them were five. Five-year-old extremists, man. I'll watch out. All right. So now we got another angle on this, and I feel like I've been trying to keep myself pretty well informed about what's going on in Israel, Middle East. Right? There's a lot going on, so it's it's hard to stay fully informed. Um, but I didn't know anything about what was going on on Israel's northern border with Lebanon. Uh, I've heard about everything going on with the Houthis in Yemen, but I've heard very little, next to nothing, about Hezbollah. Um, other than will be like a side note of, you know, they'll, you know, we're gonna, they're gonna take the backs of the Houthis or whatever. You know, have the backs of the um, figured out why we haven't heard much about this. So here's a picture of the an IDF tank commander stands on a tank in northern Israel. Um since the start of Israel's war with Hamas on October 7th, tens of thousands of regular troops and some 60,000 reservists have deployed to the north to fortify Israel's border with Lebanon and defend against Hezbollah aggression. This is complete news to me and it's been going on the entire time. Uh, the Iranian-backed terrorist group began its own cross-border attacks with Israel within 24 hours of Hamas's assault, hmm. launching more than 2,000 rockets, dozens of anti-tank missiles, and drones at Israel in the months since. Israeli forces have returned fire using tanks, artillery, and airstrikes to target Hezbollah fighters and military outposts. So, uh, that article was from about 10 days ago. Um, and the only reason I more from it was because it was a whole bunch of speculation about what happens if it gets worse. Well, it got worse. So that's this article. So at least seven civilians have been killed in Israeli strikes in Lebanon, security sources say, after a Hezbollah rocket fire killed a soldier in Israel. So prior to this, there hadn't been, there's been attacks and shootings and whatever, but no deaths. And it's all just been property damage. And then Hezbollah you know, got off a lucky shot and killed a soldier, and so now Israel's killed seven civilians. That seems to be the ratio, right? Mm. One Israeli soldier dead, kill seven civilians in exchange? That sounds about right. Good trade. Um, at least two Hezbollah fighters were also killed in attacks in southern Lebanon, the group said. Uh, Israel's military said it hit Hezbollah infrastructure in response to a deadly, deadly rocket attack on northern Israel. Uh, Hezbollah fighters have exchanged fire with Israeli forces almost every day along the border since the start of the war between Israel and the Palestinian group Hamas in the Gaza Strip in October. The clashes have raised fears of a wider regional conflict. Don't say. Um, um, I figured out from different articles, different whatever, the reason we're not hearing about this is because this shit's not inter uh, impacting our commerce. All the shit in this the, doesn't do anything to keep you in. 
this 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 doesn't do anything. What's no? The, I would say the, the the reason the U.S. doesn't give a shit about this is because it's not in fact impacting our money. Mm-hmm. Like the Houthis are sh- attacking the ships in the Red Sea. That's fucking with our money. We give a shit. We give all the shits about that. We have shot hundreds of rounds at the Houthis, but the Hezbollah, we're just like, nah, Israel, that's your problem. They're not costing us any money, mm-hmm. so they're your problem. We don't talk about them. We don't care about them. Whatever, right? They're, they're not fucking with our money. We don't give a shit. Really annoying. All right, so now, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard about this, uh, Israel uh, forces Palestine to leave Gaza Hospital. So, the hospital is like the last hospital in southern Gaza and Rafa, which is where the crossing into Egypt is. There, the city had around two two thousand or two hundred thousand people prior to this, and now there's like one point four million people crammed into the city. Oh God! Because of all the people moving from the north down into the south, and so now Israel is or Netanyahu is telling everybody they that there's some off uh, using the hospital, and we're about to bomb this hospital, and you all need to go. Um. A reporter asked him, like, where are they supposed to fucking go? Like, the, well, the, we're done bombing the north. They can go back to the north now. That, that was his answer. Was like, well, we, we've, we've cleared Hamas from the north, so everybody that's moved from the north can just go back to the north. Where there's no houses, no schools, no hospitals, no infrastructure, no water, no food, no nothing. But it's fine. You can go back. We're done bombing up there now. Well. This is, this is the guy that quietly protesting. Yeah. After a deadly siege that lasted more than two weeks, um, the Israeli snipers are accused of firing at anyone who moved. And several people have been killed outside the hospital. There's a bunch of blurred out bodies. Uh, Israeli forces use drones and loudspeakers to tell people to leave. Evacuate, Evacuate now, you animal. Israeli forces also sent a handcuffed Palestinian detainee to give the order, witnesses say he was later killed by Israeli soldiers. That's applauding. This child was shot and killed at the hospital entrance. Um. And with that kid, there was uh, a medic that tried to go help was also shot. Uh, it says one of the gates to the complex was blown up by Israeli forces. All that smoke. Another child was reportedly shot while inside the building. Humanitarian agencies say it's too unsafe to reach the bodies left outside. There are believed to be hundreds of people at the complex. Israel has ordered all of them to leave, including patients and medical staff. They have been told to go to Rafah. Attacks on civilians and medical facilities are considered war crimes. More than 28,000 people have been killed in Israel's war on So, yeah, that's a nice, cheery, fun little. So, uh, continuing in this vein, Russia and China clash with U.S. and U.K. over attacks on Yemen rebels for strikes on the Red Sea ships. These are the ones we give a shit about. 
right. Uh, Russia and China accused the U.S. and Britain of illegally attacking military sites used by the Houthis to disrupt global shipping. The U.S. and Britain say their proportionate and legal action against the Yemen rebels are being taken in self-defense. Houthi attacks are driving up, this is a quote, Houthi attacks are driving up the cost of global shipping, including the cost of food supplies and humanitarian aid in the region. It's the only reason the U.S. gives a shit. It's the money. It's the dollars. Russia and China point out that the U.N. Security Council never authorized military action against Yemen, and neither has U.S. Congress. Yeah, neither has the American people. Yeah. Or, or the Congress. Or anyone. Uh, Wood, the U.S. envoy, said American strikes in response to attacks on U.S. naval vessels aim to disrupt and degrade the Houthis' ability to continue their reckless attacks against vessels and commercial shipping. Wood accused the Houthis of trying to apply a chokehold on global, global shipping through the Red Sea and urged all countries, especially those with direct channels to Iran, to press Iran's leaders to rein in the Houthis and stop these lawless attacks. Okay. All I hear from that is we're picking a fight with Iran. Um, Russia said an immediate ceasefire in Gaza will help stabilize the situation in the Red Sea. Right? Like the, the U.S. is like, well, well, we have we have to because because they're because they're they're shooting these ships and we have to so we have to do that. And Russia's like, well, yeah, but if fucking got Israel to stop doing what they're doing, they'd stop shooting. Well, we can't do that though. Oh, Israel gets to defend itself, so we're just going to go defend ourselves we'll over We'll do here. anything. Well, not that. Right. Except the one thing no, that would actually help. Come on. Yeah. All right. So, now we're getting into our bloody Valentine's Day. Mm. Uh, this is actually before Valentine's Day, but video captures shooting at Joel Austin's Lakewood Church in Texas. We're going to turn now to new information about that deadly shooting at Joel Osteen's mega church in Houston. We're seeing new video showing the chaos Sunday as the shots rang out. Police say the shooter was a 36-year-old woman with a history of mental illness who had attended the church in the past year. Omar Villafranca has the latest. It's good because it would have been a fucking Investigators are sifting through chilling new videos like this, showing panicked churchgoers in one of the country's largest houses of worship. With her son by her side, police say 36-year-old Genesee Moreno walked into the megachurch, carrying an AR-style rifle. When she was confronted by off-duty officers working security, she opened fire. They were repetitive. Boom, 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 boom. The sound sent the congregation scrambling as security returned fire, killing the shooter. If it weren't for them, and the, the number of casualties and victims would have been much higher. She brought with her. To a there shooting. is no doubt. The shooter's son appeared to be caught in the crossfire. The boy remains hospitalized in critical condition. A 57-year-old man who was Jesus. also struck has been released from the hospital. While investigators zero in on a motive, they revealed yesterday one of the shooter's guns had a sticker reading Palestine on it. They also found anti-Semitic writings, but say they believe these may be related to a dispute with her ex-husband's family. There was a familial dispute, and some of those individuals are of uh, are Jewish. Officials said the shooter has a history of mental illness and was arrested at least six times, including a weapons charge. 
our CBS affiliate, KHS spoke right? to the shooter's yeah. mother-in-law, yep. who says there were so many warning signs. She was violent many times. We've asked for help from police and received it many times, but she was still allowed to own guns. For CBS Mornings, Omar Villafranca in Texas. So this is where, like, uh, I, uh, I'm not anti-gun. Like, people assume I'm on the left, I'm anti-gun. Like, I'm not. But I'm also, like, anti-whatever the fuck this is. I'm anti-mass shooting. Like, and you, you and then hearing that there's warning signs and this person is obviously insane and brought a child with them and yeah. but you constantly hear from people that like the, the cause no, of the mass this shootings is a, this is is a failure of healthcare right so this is it, i fully 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 believe that if we had you know medicare for all universal health care that would solve our shooting our mass shooting problem Access to mental health care would, is the thing. Like, you hear, it's the guns, it's the guns, it's the guns. And I don't disagree that America has too many guns. But that's not the fucking problem. The problem is we are left to struggle with zero fucking support from our institutions. And when we are struggling, like, there, there's no help. There's no, no nothing. And so we lose our fucking minds because we can't take it anymore. This is what happens mm. in a place with too many guns. Right? It's ridiculous. So, um, the also on or so on Valentine's Day was a shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs uh, Super Bowl parade. Um, and I wanna, I have really specific questions about this after the video. Thousands of fans celebrating the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl win scramble for their lives when gunfire erupts at a rally. A mother of two is killed and an astonishing 20 other, 21 other people suffered gunshot wounds. You Sandra Mitchell joins right us live there? from the KTLA News Center mm -hmm. with new developments on this tragic news. Sandra. Sharon, Micah, the very latest on the victims. We are just getting an update about the woman who was killed. Of those 22 people shot today, nine of the gunshot victims are children. The youngest is just six years old. Three people have been detained and police have recovered at least one weapon. So notice that right where she just said that now. Three people have been detained. Okay. Just moments after the Super Bowl victory celebration, victims on gurneys and bleeding on the ground, mass panic, a shooting after the Chiefs rally in Kansas City, Missouri. And now the Kansas City Star is identifying the woman who was killed as Lisa Lopez Galvan, a Kansas City resident, wife and mother of two adult children. Several of the other shooting victims are young children. I want to clarify that we have had 12 patients that we have treated, 11 of which are children with nine gunshot wounds. None of those patients, we all of those patients we expect to have a full recovery, none of which are in critical condition. People in the crowd shouting, he's got a gun. Police now confirming three people have been detained. Officers chased down one look of the that suspects okay. and another. Look at that guy. Get a good look at that person, okay? appeared to be tackled by fans. I have heard that as well. I have heard that, that fans got involved in the apprehension or the pursuit of one of the suspects. I cannot confirm that right now, but that is something that I have heard myself. Fan Alyssa Marsh Contreras spoke with KTLA. She says her father was one of those who took down a gunman. 
my dad, along with another good Samaritan, running, jumping, and just tackling the second offender. Um, as they tackled him, the weapon fell out. A cop was able to secure that. After that, I just remember yelling, you know, cops, we need cops over here. Somebody come over here. Um, not much longer, multiple cops come over, um, get on top of this guy, make sure he's clear of everything. And then after that, we were just all free to go. From an aerial view, watch the suspect get tackled. Now, a closer look. Even as bystanders wrestle with that suspect, watches a woman in the crowd, picks up what appears to be a rifle that came from the man and places it nearby. Thousands of people were there. The Kansas City Chiefs players and their families, fans, the governors of Kansas and Missouri, also the mayor of Kansas City attending with his family. And his first reaction now is anger and frustration. I don't want us to have to in our country for every big event. Think about a concern of being shot. President Biden has been in touch with the Kansas City Police. He's now offering the full resources of federal investigators. Police also saying in that late afternoon news conference that there might have been actually two separate shooting scenes. For now, live in News Center, I'm Sandra Mitchell. Share, Micah, back to you. Sandra, thank you. Stay with So, we get an update. Two juvenile suspects charged in mass shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade. Did that dude that was handcuffed in the red sweats, did he look like a juvenile to you? Mm -hmm. The dude that got tackled, that said it was harder to see that, that would look like an adult-sized person. So does that mean that the police and the bystanders tackled the wrong fucking people? Today, two juvenile suspects are facing charges related to the shooting at the Chiefs Super Bowl rally back on Wednesday. One person was killed. 22 others were hurt in that shooting. Video here shows the moments the gunfire began, people running for cover. Police aren't naming the suspects because they're not adults. Today, they were both charged with gun-related charges and resisting arrest. As this investigation continues, they could face additional charges. Last night, there was a vigil for the victim. The Kansas City, Missouri police chief said the victims ranged in age from 8 to 47 years old, many of those younger than 16 years old. Half the victims, in fact, were children. So I don't understand how to, I can't square that. How do we get those shots of those video, those, you know, the, the images of the suspects and then find out later that they were juveniles? And we found out, like, it wasn't a mass shooting event. It was, they were in a fight. They were bickering with each other. It was a fucking stupid teenager idiot argument, and they fucking pulled out guns. Like. That's, that's, I mean, sounds more likely. It's just ridiculous. Oh, and then this made me realize I forgot to mention with the Navalny thing. In Russia last night, there was a bunch of, you know, mourners. They went out and hold a vigil or whatever. Fucking Russian authorities rounded up 200. They called them uh, political protesters. And fucking just rounded them up off the streets. 200 people out there in participating and in a visual. Them. In, huh? And arrested. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's yep. fun. For for mourning the loss of uh, their uh, opposition leader that were arrested. So this one was uh, a little more of a lucky break, I guess. You can call it that. 
It is. The school is set to reopen here and students set to return after the news that a student here at Ontario Christian High School was arrested and Ontario police are crediting a classmate who came forward reporting suspicious behavior for preventing what could have been another devastating school shooting. Take a look at here. was a police presence here on campus yesterday. And the 18-year-old student, Sebastian Villasenor, was arrested after police say one of his classmates reported concerns over his fixation with school shootings and access to weapons. The school principal notified police who went to the student's home and found an arsenal of weapons and ammunition. They say the suspect's parents legally owned the weapons. Here's more from a news conference yesterday. He was so obsessed with our response times that he Google mapped how far it would be from the Ontario Police Department for our response time to the school. Ultimately, when we arrested Via Senor at his residence, we collected numerous weapons, seven rifles, two revolvers, one handgun, and one shotgun. We also seized over a thousand rounds of ammunition. The normal amount is now facing five felony charges of attempted murder and one felony Isn't charge. Isn't it? It feels like a lot to me. No, no, it's not. How many guns did they just mention? Seven. No, guns total. Oh, wait, no. The seven rifle. I don't know. So, seven rifle. Ten okay. guns? A hundred or a thousand rounds a piece. Or, a, yeah, a hundred rounds a piece. That's, that's a thousand rounds. Seven rifles. We also see two oh. revolvers. Nine, one handgun. Over a thousand rounds ten. of ammunition. Yeah, so if you have a hundred bullets for each one of those guns, you have a thousand rounds of ammunition. That, that is a day of shooting. Okay. Yeah, this is why I want it. Like, and they were all legally owned. Right. There's no story here about the about the guns, okay. right? Right. Like that's that's the yeah that that's a fucking stretch. You know, did the kid actually have access to them, or were they? Yeah, no, up? he did. There, let's keep listening criminal threats, and while there was no manifesto and the motive is still unclear, investigators say during interviews, he told them there were at least five specific students he wanted to target uh, and that's different. the shooting around the Columbine shooting anniversary in April. The 18-year-old suspect due in court to be arraigned and face a San Bernardino County judge later today. Meanwhile, we'll have reaction from parents. Yeah, though. so... Yeah, he was he was a threat, right? Like, it wasn't just that this family on so, or not, whatever. So, like... Definitely, yeah, sounds like they did the right thing. Um, I, I think they're doing the wrong thing. You know, with the framing? With with framing. Oh, so many guns, so many bullets. See, and that's um, how I'm not a, a gun person, particularly. No, like, that's, but I, I, that to me, it sounded like me a lot. And, so me I and two friends, me and two friends could go shoot that in a day. Yeah. Of, of fucking around. Without shooting around cans. And you, you, could, you could use a thousand rounds with, with you and three buddies shooting skeet for a day. Yeah. Like, like that, that's not that much. But so what would be, what would be an alarming amount of ammunition for somebody to have stacked? Just out of curiosity. I, I don't I don't even have a number. Okay. Like I I don't know. Like, <laughs> to me, is like, it a fucking room full? No. Like, do you have do you have a Connex box full of fucking guns? I mean, I would. Yeah, I guess like a thousand rounds is it's like a couple boxes. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's not. not much. It, it sounds like I'm gonna get some bullets in the like, face with a thousand. Yeah, yeah it sounds like a lot when you. No, well, I mean, yeah, that's a lot of guns, but if you're 40 years old and have been collecting guns for 20 years, yeah. it's not really that many. Yeah. I like, oh, this person had 20 plus video games. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, what happens when yeah. you play video games and collect video games. Yeah. yeah. But my question is they're talking about bringing him to court. What is he charged with? Um, 
He didn't actually do anything. For now, live in Ontario. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad they fucking stopped him. Allegedly planning a a school attack. So I'm I'm not sure what the actual charge is. Threatening the... the, um, But my point is, punishment isn't maybe what we should be doing here. Right, no, we should get the dude health care. (laughs) Fucking mental health. Right, something is fucking wrong with him. And that could be something permanent. He's fucked up or whatever, but like, I'm glad it was pointed out. But punishment isn't the thing we should be going for here. Because he didn't fucking do anything. Well, not yet. Not yet. But but there's the reason conspiracy to commit a thing is also a charge versus just conspiracy. You know, conspiracy to commit a crime. Right, but, charge, cons- but conspiracy, like you would be putting plans in motion. You would, you would right. be doing stuff. Right. That's making right. a plan and putting he it in was motion. Saying, I want to do this around the school, the Columbine anniversary, and there's five kids I want to murder. Like, that is a plan. Yeah, again, the plan and putting a plan in motion are different. That I. I am not defending what this kid's doing in any way, shape, or form. I think he did great job stopping this thing from happening. Yeah. Great job, guys. Unfortunately. But let's treat him. We have a school. Instead of just jailing. Wasn't so lucky. So, Mays High School in Atlanta. Four students injured in a shooting. On fucking Valentine's Day. Just like, All of this is yeah. on Valentine's Day, yeah. <laughs> We are staying on top of that breaking news in Southwest Atlanta. Sky Fox 5 is live over Benjamin Mays High School, where district officials have just confirmed four students were shot. Fox says Mary Smith is live outside the school with the latest on this breaking story. Mary, you came to us in the last hour. Uh, apparently four students injured in what appears to be sort of a drive-by shooting right as kids were being laid out for the day. Good God. Right? We know, according to a district spokesperson, a vehicle, an unknown vehicle, around the time of dismissal this afternoon, came to the lower parking lot, shooting, injuring four students. They were taken to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Here's where we are. This is the the road leading into the school here. You can see law enforcement here blocking off this area. We're seeing them turn cars away. And this is chopper video from earlier showing that scene again. We're told four students injured with non-life threatening injuries taken to the hospital. No word on any suspect information at this time. Now, when I first arrived here about an hour ago, I did see a lot of parents in the area. They looked visibly upset, picking up some of their children from the area here. Again, no information on any. Yeah. So like I said, I'm not anti-gun, but we are doing something wrong for this to be like, I couldn't even like, oh, let's talk about the mass shooting that happened today. Which fucking one? Like, that's a problem. Like, oh my God. And there were more. Like, this is a sampling of what I found. Like, I didn't even, you know, it's not all of them. There was another shooting at the mall, at a mall. I think it was Illinois. But then the they, they like, said it was not an active shooter scene. So it was really confusing. I decided not to pick that one. But no, there's just... And so when I, when I complain about, you know... Mass shootings, people will, you know, assume I'm anti-gun and anti-whatever. I'm not, because like I said, I'm a big fan of Marx, and Marx is the one that said, don't fucking let them take your guns away, mm-hmm. right? I, that makes sense to me, but I really do feel like the thing that could solve this problem for us is access to actual health care. Not just insurance, not just Obamacare, yeah, not, not even, just co-pays. Maybe not even solve it, but... 
Make it so there's not 10 a day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Make a fucking dent in the problem. Right? Yeah. Like, oof. Yeah. No, it's fucking insane. Like, there's just... It's just brutal. Okay. So, do you remember when I told you to keep it in your mind that in 2021, Biden said we can't do this thing because then the White House would have to own it? Mm-hmm. We can't possibly have a good immigration deal because then the White House would have to own it. So here we are. We are our uh, political comic of the day. It appears to be a meme of a White House, the White House Twitter account putting out uh, a meme of Mike Johnson, the Happy Valentine's Day speaker Johnson, and it says roses are red, violets are blue. The border deal is crushed because of you. Just one problem with this: this is not a cartoon. It is fully real. <laughs> the White House put out this fucking meme. <laughs> On the official White House account, blasting the White House. House. Yep, blasting Speaker Johnson for crushing the border deal. It's his fault. The border deal that was a teeny tiny part of a huge (laughs) war crime funding. Oh my god! So yeah, so this is our official White House. (laughs) The adults, adults in the fucking room. No, no, they're not. Somehow he wow. can still be 85 and not be an adult in the room. It's just all right. So now we have our actual. Uh, I wonder if if Mr. Johnson realizes that whatever he thinks or feels or whatever is so irrelevant. He's a fucking scapegoat, man. Oh, everybody's a scapegoat. It's just he's a scapegoat this week. Like he, like. He I mean, to be fair, he's a douche too. That. Like he. Oh, he's, he's a right. Like it's shit. not. Yeah. But like. Just, just, you got that position for no other reason than they're just going to use you at their leisure. Right. Like. We have a, we have a. You don't actually do anything. We have a viewer chat. It's not paid, but we have one. Mm. And it's uh, Snowcat says the government needs to create a database that is connected to all states, law enforcement, medical offices that shows mental health and tracking gun permits. So. Snowcat. I used to agree with that. I used to. Until I figured out. But yeah, that means that the government is actually in charge of that. Oregon just had um, a vote here for um, mandatory uh, background checks and not background checks, training and stuff before you could buy a gun. But then like the state police were in charge of the training for it. Like it was, it was so against the Second Amendment of like you have to go through these official channels before you have the like we can decide you can't have a gun, and it was terrifying. And so this is where I'm with you, Cad. We need to do something, right? And I, I think the treatment. treatment, right? Like that's where I land on healthcare because as soon as you try to create databases and things to flag, because you know, you to me, somebody buys a thousand rounds of ammunition. That to me sounds like that should have flagged something, but you're like, no, that's a totally normal amount. See, so like it's how do you have freedom of speech and freedom of movement and privacy and still have some kind of, you can't. So uh, that's where I landed on the thing, the best thing to do for this is fucking healthcare. Like that would help so many people with so many different whatever. Um, but yeah, I feel you because I used to feel the same way. Um, and it's only been in realizing just how fucking corrupt and useless our actual government is that having them in charge of that program would be really terrifying. My example of that is when I, when I was like 20, in my early twenties, 
Like I, I would look around and, and I would just say, can't we just make it illegal for certain people to have children? Right. Like they're yeah, obviously <laughs> they're, they're obviously fucking bad at it. Yep. Right. <clears throat> but you can't no, do that in anywhere in you know, any people, you hear that way. about poor people shouldn't have kids. Yeah. Well, do you know yeah, what you're, it just becomes something? Do you know like what you're that. saying when you say poor people shouldn't have kids? You're saying poor people shouldn't have sex. That equates that, which is eugenicist. You're right. saying that a poor human should not be able to participate in this natural thing because they can't support the bullshit. That's fucking gross. Yeah. So, all right. So, here's our fake comic of the day. Let's get to our real comic of the day, which is maybe sadder. Uh, what's more American than a football parade? Mass shooting at a football parade. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's wonderful. That's pretty that's fucking wonderful. dark, huh? <laughs> yep. Oh boy. Okay, so that was a long, brutal uh segment. Have our apolitical palate cleanser. Sorry, I gotta push a lot of buttons to do it. Cool. At least we're not having sound issues though since I switched. I really feel like that's been. Yeah, that's true. Um. Okay, so apolitical palate cleanser today. Uh, this is the new hybrid In rice. In my brain, apolitical is a hyphenated word. I know, it should be. I feel you. It messes with me. Uh, this is the new hybrid rice that has meat cultured inside of it. Oh, I thought that said hybrid race. <laughs> so like, Speaking Whoa! Of <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Took a sharp turn there. All right. Hybrid rice. going to get the master rice. race to... All right. Get the master race to eat the rice. Look at that. It's pink. This might look like a fairly normal bowl of rice, but it's no, not. No, no, this no, is no, a no. new hybrid rice that isn't just a grain, it's also technically meat. Researchers at Yonsei University in Korea have developed a new process of culturing lab-grown cow fat and muscle cells inside grains of rice. And this is the result, a pinkish-hued rice that has a high fat and protein content. The developers say the process is currently laborious, but it could one day be refined, allowing humankind to meet its growing demand for food. With researchers so Yun Park saying about it, quote, imagine obtaining all of the nutrients we need from cell-cultured protein rice. Rice already has a high nutrient level, but adding cells from livestock can further boost it. The process involves coating rice grains with fish gelatin, then siphoning bovine muscle and fat stem cells into them for around 9 to 11 days. The end result is this, pink rice with 8% more protein and 7% more fat than traditional rice. Even with its current That's manufacturing process, this meat rice is actually still cheaper to make than traditional beef and only around 15 percent the cost cool, it releases far fewer no, emissions not. as well Come releasing on. eight times okay. less is 15 percent cheaper what by weight yes by end product weight okay the, the the end product weight of that cow is still more protein than this fucking rice right yeah I, that, that is insane so so it has seven percent more that's borderline irrelevant I mean, 
two for the same weight of finished product. All right, let's look. As well, releasing eight times less. Meat rice is actually still cheaper to make than traditional beef, at only around 15% the cost. It releases far fewer emissions as well, releasing eight times less CO2 for the same weight of finished product. Cows are a CO2. Sure. Cows are so yeah, would you eat pink meat rice? I mean... <laughs> I've eaten rice that I've poured broth on sure. to increase its fat content, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. To make it taste better. Yep. That looks I good. guess I can pour some fucking bloody sausage juice on that right. and do the same fucking thing. I don't, I don't know. Bloody. All right. I, I, I assume that's a... I don't get where where they're trying to go with it or something, but but I think they're sick. trying to get rid of cows. Like I think that's the goal is to eliminate. Then you're gonna have to do better than seven percent, right? Sure. <laughs> for a first start, maybe it's not so bad. All right. I mean, honestly, if we all just cut half the meat that we ate and replaced it with rice, right? That would it, do it would probably be fine. Yeah, that would be more of a <laughs> that, that would be a, a fine end result. Right, so now we are at our silver lining closing and quote of the day. Um, before we get to that, do we have any final thoughts, questions on the episode? Anything you want to touch back on? That Give it a shot. Give it a yeah. shot. Take half of the protein you were going to eat for dinner tonight and eat rice and stuff. Let's see what it does. Yeah, still have the other half. Still eat the other half. No. Right? Still eat that. <laughs> yeah. Just half of it, eat rice and stuff. Okay. Let me know how you feel next week. All right. Good call. All right, so the daily silver lining. We know that the topics we cover can be bleak, especially today. Um, Kat says protein shake will give you 30 grams. <laughs> That's fine. We don't need the shit. We can just drink fucking insure. <laughs> I like it. And the, it's better. And, and, and the rice will give your protein shake texture. Yeah. <laughs> Boba rice protein shake. Oh, gross. Thank you for that. Well, okay. So we like know boba, boba shake. we know that the topics we cover can be bleak, especially today. Uh, so we want to try and end our episode on a positive note. Tonight's silver lining from the episode is the continued protests in Israel. Uh, and in case you're watching this clipped and didn't get to see that segment, I've got a little short refresher about what's going on there. Meanwhile, thousands of protesters joined a weekly march in Tel Aviv today to demand the Israeli government resign. Protesters stood in solidarity, waving the Israeli flag and holding signs that shared their thoughts on the war. We believe in human sanity and the importance of the human life here. And we understand that the human life here is important in both sides. And so um, if the ceasefire is what is going to bring back home the hostages, that's, I think, what we should do. Protesters say they'll continue to hold the Israeli government accountable for civilian deaths in Gaza. Turning black. Meanwhile, thousands nah, of protesters. All right. So that I think that's amazing. Just that they're, just they're like, we're not, uh, we're not standing for this. All right. So today's quote of the day. When you begin to see that your enemy is suffering, that is the beginning of insight. 
uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, which is, uh, that's what we were talking about. If you, you know, the people, the politicians don't see the soldiers they're sending to war as people. Mm-hmm. You don't see the suffering of those people. You can't imagine them suffering mm-hmm. or you wouldn't be able to send them off to war to die. Like, like that is the beginning right there is to be able to see your enemy as an actual human being. We could do that. I mean, you're talking politicians. They they can't see their own constituents. Like, right? They can't understand how they live. Mm-mm. Like, they, they don't. <laughs> that makes me think of see the meme of uh, Hillary Clinton walking into a poor person's apartment and <laughs> look on her face. Yeah. What are all these things? Yeah. You live like this? God, yeah. I have my bathroom was bigger than your whole apartment. <laughs> yeah. Like these people don't know what it's like for you to live. They no. can't fathom what. They can't fathom why you're upset that Netflix went up ten dollars a month. Like, no, they like, can't what does understand it, it, right? Yeah. Like, how the fuck could they understand your suffering? No, they don't. It's pretty, pretty sad. So, all right, that's the end of that. Kill that there. Great. So that is our show for the night. We hope you'll join us next time. Just a quick reminder to head on over to our website at divergentpolitics.com for links to all of our socials, membership signups, and the DP merch store. Good night, everyone.